0: How about that? Better? All right. Better. They mute me, so I guess I talk too much. I'm not sure. But we are, we are starting a series, and this is Lesson 1 today, kind of an introductory to the mobile phone and the Christian home. Boy, 10, 20 years ago, this wouldn't have made any sense, uh, a topic like this, but it's amazing how social media, how the internet, how our phones have infiltrated our lives, and how it's, it's who we are Uh, Without our phones, many of us are lost, and we need to see what the Bible has to say about this. And a lot of this is geared towards parents and raising children in this day and age. As many parents did not grow up, actually I don't think anybody here grew up with phone, even myself, uh, I'm 27, but I did not, as in my elementary years, did not have this. I remember the remember the Nokia, the original phone that didn't do anything, uh, that phone, that we had that phone, I remember that, we played snake until the battery would die on that phone and it's amazing what technology has come to today and we're going to look at some uh, dates and how things have have moved on through the centuries but uh, as a way of introduction here I wrote a little one here it says this course is a collective effort by the, way, uh, by the Way of Life Ministries, founded by David Cloud. Maybe you've heard of him before, and maybe you agree or don't agree with everything he has to say, but this is, this is some really good stuff. It's packed with practical information that has been gleaned from interviews with godly pastors, youth pastors and parents' testimonies, and feedback from readers, and from large numbers of articles and books. Ask God to speak to you as you study the Course. Write down the things that you plan to change. And I tried to make it as comprehensive, right, uh, inserting a lot of things so that you can take home and remember. And I hope that this will be a blessing to each and every one of us. Now, I put this here as well. If you are in an imperfect situation, meaning you're, maybe you're a single parent trying to raise kids. Uh, unequally yoked with an unbeliever maybe you're married but maybe your spouse is not married maybe you have uh, some tension in the home you're sharing custody of a child with an unbeliever don't don't despair maybe there's some conflict in the home right now maybe you're uh, there, there is some trouble but do everything you possibly can from your side and trust God with the rest in fact everyone is in an imperfect situation in this fallen world So no matter where you're at, what situation you're from, trying to raise children, trying to raise yourself in this mobile mobile society, let's just look to God and see what he has to say, and let's just look at some principles from God's word. Now before we get into the actual notes here, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Solomon brings up something interesting here, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and I won't, uh, won't uh, take this out of context, we're going to look at another passage to help as well. But just to get an idea, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29, Solomon brings this idea up here. And in, Sol- in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 29 give you a second to find that's not a book we usually turn to i guess ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 29 bible says lo this only have i found that god hath made man upright but they have sought out many inventions now inventions back here is not the same inventions we may think of today but this I want to start out by saying that technology in itself, man's inventions in itself, are not necessarily wrong. They are tools, and these tools can be used for right or be used for wrong. And just like with anything that the Lord has given to us, and I want to, I want to compare this with another verse really quick. Second Chronicles chapter 26. If you can turn there, to Second Chronicles chapter 26. 2nd Chronicles chapter 26, we come to another king in Israel by the name of Uzziah. King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a very interesting guy, and for the most part, he was a a king that loved the Lord, and he served God. Uh, Verse 3, he was 16 years old when he began to reign, so he was just a young kid. But in verse 5, we find that he prospered because he kept his eyes on God. So things were going well for him. Now now I want you to turn to 2nd or stay, but 2nd Chronicles 26, now look in verse 6. It says, and he went forth, and this is King Uzziah, he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabnah and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal or Gerbal and um, Mehunims. I did not say that right. It doesn't matter. Verse 8: And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad, even to the entering in of Egypt, for he was strengthened himself exceedingly. For he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gates, and at the valley gates, and at the turning of the wall, and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert, and digged many wells, for he had much cattle both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also in vine dressers, in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Why are you reading this passage? It's coming, All right? Verse 11. More views I had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their accounts by the hand of Jael, the scribe of Mesia, the ruler under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. So I'm reading the backstory to show you he's got a mighty army and the Lord is blessing him. He's got defenses, he's got cattle, he's got everything you'd want setting up to be a king. Verse 12, the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600 and under their hand was an army 300,000 and 7,500. So there's a lot of things going well for him. Now verse 14, and Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host, shields, and spears, and helmets, and aborigines, and bows, and slings, to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines, invented by cunning men, to be on the towers, and upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows, and great stones withal. And his name was spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped, till he was strong." So back in Uzziah's time, this is thousands of years ago, he had men who were cunning, who were skilled, and they, what we can tell, they invented technology. There was technology here that hadn't been used in a lot of places, and this was making him famous. It says here they had these, I guess you would call them big slingshots, right? They would stick them on top of the towers, and they could sling these large rocks, something they didn't really have back then. And these men were very cunning, they were skilled, and the way that they would throw and cast things. You see the inventions right here by these men. They were good. They were tools to be used for the Lord. The Lord I think gave them the, the, gave them the ability to create these inventions. But Here's the main point. Verse 16. But when he was strong. His heart was lifted up. To his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God. And went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Amen. See, the inventions weren't bad in themselves, but they got to him. He let those inventions, in a way, help him turn his heart away from God. Yep. Those inventions caused him to be lifted up, to be prideful, all the way to the point to where he went into the to he went to altar. He went to um, to the altar himself to sacrifice without. He did something that the priest should have done. Yep. And all this because, yes, these inventions, they weren't bad in themselves, but they turned his heart away from God. It's kind of what the idea is here. And technology in itself is not evil. I know when it first came out, I, I remember, I was young, but I remember when the phone came out, and uh, pastors were across the land were preaching against it. Honestly, rightfully so. It was, it was new. And there was danger seen in a lot of what, what is happening today. They, they foresaw. But of course, over time, nobody listens. And we have what we have today. And it's here. And what do we do with what, we, what the Lord has given us? So let's go in our notes here now. First thing I have written down here is they are leaving. They are leaving. So what, what do you mean they are leaving? Well, the youth are leaving. That's your first blank there. The youth are leaving. Ken Ham, he's founder of Answers in Genesis. He warns that a mass exodus is underway. Most youth of today will not be coming to church tomorrow. Now this is something I, that we, none, nobody wants here today but there is a mass leaving of young people who grow up in church, and when they reach a certain age, they're not in church anymore. Research shows that a frightful percentage of Sunday school children drop out of church in adolescence. After analyzing 25 different surveys, Barner Research found that 59%, 59% of young adults who were active in church as children and teens start to spiritually disengage. 59% who start in church start to spiritually disengage by the age of 15. Now, back in 2000, they did the same research and the age 15 was 22. And now it's moving down almost 20 years later. Eight years later, 2000. 2000. But men and children are learning, they're disengaging themselves. Now in 2005, Andrews and Genesis contracted a survey of young adults between the age of 20 and 29 and found that two-thirds of teens, two-thirds of teens who regularly attend conservative or evangelical churches are gone by college age. So there is a mass exodus of young people who grow up in church, and yet we find a, a disinterest, a disengaging of spiritual things as they progress in life, as they get older. Now, the back in notes here, the emerging church has targeted our children. There is a book called Finding Our Way Again, The Return of Ancient Practices. The man here... Uh, Emerging leader Brian McLaurin describes the process whereby emergent doctrines will, in his estimation, infiltrate churches that are currently rejecting them. Okay, so let me stop for a second. And I'm making a small point here, is that there is a a falling away of the independent fundamental Baptists, people who uh, who are true and faithful to God's Word. There is a falling away. The world is infiltrating the church today. There are churches today who are promoting... Things that many years ago would have never stood in church. There's music being being uh, played in churches that shouldn't be played. Amen. There are even the, the versions of the Bible are, there's so many of them now. There's confusion taking place. And there's a lot of things. Doctrine now is getting watered down. And churches are not what they used to be anymore. And a lot of this, and, and because of this, Let's look here. He says, uh, but over time, what they reject, this is churches rejecting the emerging church principles, will find or create safe space outside their borders and become a resource so that many, if not most of the grandchildren of today's fundamentalists, will learn and grow and move on from the misguided battles of their... That uh, battles of their forebears. Okay, so I, you may not understand what I just said. So the next paragraph explains. That was just a quote. McLaurin is saying that emerging teachers will infiltrate biblicist churches. They will infiltrate biblicist churches through resources such as books, videos, blogs, and websites. This is exactly how New Evangelicalism has so deeply infiltrated fundamental Baptist churches over the past two decades, and is doubtless how the emerging doctrine will infiltrate in coming years. Okay, so what am I trying to say here? The emergent church, this philosophy of, of changing, uh, of moving away, it, they're, they're targeting not... The hardened, the elderly fundamentalists, the people who are not going to change, people who are staying true and faithful to God's word, they're targeting the children. They're targeting the young people. That's why, uh, that's why rock music right now in church is a big thing, because that's what young people want. And they know, well, we're not going to be able to reach those that, uh, those that are older, those that know better. We're going to try to reach the next generation. And instead of trying to teach them what's right and what's wrong, they're just giving in. Just like many years ago, there was a time where they would, uh, where there was a big practice where fornication, you know, sex before marriage—that you didn't do that. But now today, they they teach safe sex. So instead of fighting the problem, they're just giving in to the problem, and they're trying to work the way around it. They're going, they're taking the easy route. And I say all this because this is where the internet comes in right here. This is one big problem of our of our world today, is young people are on these devices. They watch YouTube, they watch preachers on the internet, they watch philosophies and they, they, they see things and their doctrine is being changed because sometimes they go home and they see a mom and dad whose lives aren't necessarily lining up with what the pastor's preaching at home and now they're getting confused. They're going and they're living in a world where, or they're, they're seeing another world where there's God and there's, there's the, the world as well. It feeds their flesh and it also, it also allows them to serve the Lord. And they're seeing all this on their phone. They're seeing all this on the internet. They're seeing this everywhere. The emerging church is targeting a large percentage of our young people today. And because of this, they've adopted the contemporary music philosophies, rejecting separation. They want a softer, gentler, less judgmental Christianity. And this is just uh, by way of introduction, some of the things that we need to be aware of and why... The internet is a very, very powerful tool. It can be used for good, it can be used for evil. Now let's move on here. We have the next section here is the age of the smartphone. The age of the smartphone, that is our age today. All right, a smartphone, if, for those of you who are, aren't sure, is a phone that has a lot of capabilities. It's got camera, GPS, access to the internet. It's, a, it's not a dumb phone, it's a smartphone, all right? Now we would say a dumb phone is a phone that doesn't have access to the internet that's what they say today smartphone is a phone where you can connect to the internet almost anywhere you want now there may be some people in here who still don't have smartphones and hey I'm uh, I wish we can go back to those times it was simpler back then although I could imagine without the internet now so many so much resources that we even use but the smartphone was introduced in the late 1990s but its use exploded with the introduction of the I I see him, what is it? The iPhone. That's your blank there. With the introduction of the iPhone in 2007. I remember when my friend came home with the original, the first iPhone. Man, I was jealous. I did not get a phone until I was 17, and I'm thankful for that. Now, in 2014, now this is in your notes here, but sales of smartphones were 1.2 billion dollars. So this is 2014. They were up to 1.2 billion dollars. That's an increase of almost 30% from the year before. Today, it's a lot, lot more. In Israel, 83% of children between the ages of 8 and 15 are in possession of a smartphone. 93% of mobile devices today are used at least four hours every day. Half say they are online within 15 minutes after waking up. Connecting with friends, social media, social networking like Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Snapchat. A typical teenager exchanges about 3,400 texts per month. That's about 115 per day. This is just texts. This isn't talking about uh, those other ways of messaging people as well through... Facebook, there's Instagram of communicating, but just through cellular devices they have concluded that most teenagers average at least hundred texts per day using uh, from their phones and using different devices as well. 51 percent of all global internet traffic comes through mobile devices so 50 percent of internet traffic happens on a phone. In February of 2016 an East Indian company named Ringing Bells announced a $7 smartphone plan, which has, almost, uh, which has allowed almost 80-something percent of the population to have access to some kind of a smartphone. Top social media sites for in, the U- in, the, in America uh, are Facebook. They say 61% of people are connected to Facebook. 55% have connection to YouTube. 51% connection to Instagram, 46% connection to Snapchat, 45% connection to Netflix. And a recent big big one in the last couple of years is this app called Pandora, which is a music streaming app. It's free. Twitter is another one. Social media. And the list can go on and on. There's, the, the, the apps are endless. I'm not going to bore you with those. But just to let you know that the majority of our teenagers today are spending most of their time on their phones. Not that they're always doing something wrong, but that's where most of their time is going. You think about it, if the average teen is spending four hours a day on their phone, how much of that time are they in school? Maybe they're in school till about maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So then take the afternoon time, four hours into the afternoon, what are they, what are they doing uh, with a lot of their life? The smartphone back in your notes here, the smartphone is an instrument for good and for evil. Just like all of the inventions of the past 75 years. Okay, so the smartphone can be used for good and for evil just like all of the inventions of the past 75 years. Now just for fun, I thought we'd go through a couple of them here. The first one here, 1940, was the invention of, I think I I heard somebody say it, the invention of television, 1940s, or at least when it started to become, when uh, everyone had one. 1947, the tape recorder. Anybody remember those? Anybody still have a tape recorder? Tape recorder? Couple hands. All right. Actually, my, my truck, the one just before this, had only a cassette player, which is, which is uh, weird. I remember walking into Walmart. And I said, uh, this was just a couple years ago, I was like, do you have any, do you have any cassette tapes? And I, t- I was talking to a young girl. She was about uh, uh, she was about maybe, she's probably looked 20 maybe. And she looked at me, she said, I'm sorry? I said, do you have a, any cassette tapes for my cassette player in my truck? I don't have that old of a truck. It's 2000, It was 2001. And she says, uh, one second please. And I see her calling on her on her radio. She's like, oh, I have a customer here looking for a, what was it again? Uh, a, ca- a cassette, a ca- and she had to come and explain to me they don't have those anymore. So I found some at Valley Village. Alright, so we're, we're good. In case you have some, don't please don't give them to me. I don't have that car anymore. So t- tape recorder. In 1950, you have the portable radio. In 1977, you have a personal computer. In 1982, the portable video camera. Man, I remember in, uh, I think it was 89, my dad bought a Sony camcorder. And it was about, like, this big. Not really. He was huge. I remember bringing that thing to Disneyland. It was interesting. In 1985, the internet. That's your next blank there. 1985, the internet. Remember dial-up? Remember the sound? I can't mimic it for you. Uh, We we played a game with the teens once. And it was named that sound. And we had, you know, a sound of a, a cat doing whatever and the this and that and then we sh- we gave the dial-up sounds and nobody knew what it was they they thought it was like a old arcade video game noise or something like that good old days those are the days where you when you woke up in the morning you turned your computer on you did the chores you did the dishes you went to work eight hours later you came back and the computer was just about to get warmed up for you to actually be able to use it those are good times uh, let's see here, portable cell phone, 1989. In 1990, emails, email, 1990. Texting or, M- or SMS, short message servicing, in 1993. The digital camera, in 1995. Boy, that's changed a lot. The digital camera. The MP3 player, in 1998. And in 2003, the invention of social media social media now I, the reason i gave you that list is because now we know this but just to put it in perspective the smartphone is all of these things and one little teeny device it's all of that it's a tv maybe not a tape recorder but it's music it's it is a computer uh, some of the newer phones have more uh, processing power than some of the average computers today. It's incredible what, what these little things are capable of doing. All of this stuff and so much more is compacted in this little guy. Now, the question is, or the statement is, how you use its features depends on your hearts and character. How you use these features depends on your hearts and your character. The smartphone and the internet are simply tools. They're tools to help and to guide, and they can help. They can be incredible resources. But that depends on your heart and your character. Now it moves on to our next point here, the great danger for young people and old people. There is a great danger. And we're just going to skim the surface here. We're going to look more in details in in the coming lessons. But the danger is definitely great. There's some testimonies from some pastors and parents. For instance, here's a testimony here. It says, my wife and I are missionaries in Ireland. And just as it is in the U.S., every, uh, even very young children here are permitted to have cell phones, iPads, etc." I consider this to be the height of foolishness. It is opening up children to all manner of spiritual dangers. At the very least, it draws them into a world of their own where they are not learning how to carry on true conversations or to have real relationships with people. It's so much easier just to message somebody or text somebody. Even now, maybe we start to do this, where it's, uh, I can call them, I don't need to call them, I just shoot them a text. And they can reply whenever they feel like it. And it's actually disengaging us from normal everyday conversation, not just with kids, but adults as well. It's amazing how this works. Another, another example here. I teach math to 12 to 15-year-olds in, in a Christian school in North Carolina. The students are absolutely addicted to their phones. Many walk around campus plugged into their devices. Music and games are the most addictive. Uh, posting selfies on social media is very popular. All the immorality that we worked hard to, to find when we were bad kids growing up are able are accessible to children within just a few seconds. Back then, if you want if you wanted to sin, if you wanted to find something, it you had to you had to be in the right place. You had to know somebody. You had to go somewhere. But today you can look up anything you want, anytime you want, in just a few seconds. Anybody at any age. This is this is something that we need to be we need to understand and realize. In general, I'm afraid that They are an anchor that drags the spiritual interest of youth away from the Lord. Peer pressure is a part of growing up. And cell phones increase the pressure to conform, to be cool, and to be a part of a worldly system. With a smartphone internet plan, the device gives almost instant access not only to that which is good, but also to that which is evil. And I know you know a lot of this stuff already. But it just needs to be said. Because a lot of parents are trapped up in this as well. And a lot of parents also are ignorant and have no idea about the the power that's behind this phone. Now, in your notes here, the danger is not only for youth. It is for all ages. It's not just for your kids. It's for you as well. There's a danger that you hold with this as well. There's many more examples I can give here. But just understand, uh, we'll go to one here, and this is a recent one. On May 25th, 2018, okay? That was just like two weeks ago, if not even that. Snapchat released its first edition of this thing called Cosmo After Dark, all right? This was an X-rated weekly edition. And now it's found in the discovery section of of the app. If you don't have uh, uh, Snapchat, you may not understand this. But it was exclusively dedicated to advertising sexually explicit material and advice on various positions, techniques, and more. And I'm watering down what the actual, what the actual comments were, OK, for, for church's sake. The actual posts were much more explicit than this. Uh, and this would take place every Friday at 6 PM. These posts and slash stories were only viewable to those, by the, by the, uh, to those who were 18 years and older. But a simple change of one's date of birth on your profile page would allow anyone access to any of this stuff. Now, just to give you an understanding here, uh, well, let me finish here, then I'll give you an understanding. Now, just the fact that they made it for 18 years and older, that should not make parents feel better. Because adults shouldn't be looking at this stuff either. This is not, this is 18 years and older, that rule should not be there. If there's, if there's something that an adult should only watch, then their kids shouldn't be watching it either. If there's something that kids shouldn't watch, I should say, then their, the adults shouldn't be watching it either. There's no age, restri- there shouldn't be an age restriction for what someone can handle. Now, this is interesting here. Chris McKenna of the website Protect Young Eyes. Here's a, here's a, here's a man right here whose job is to protect, he, he, his, his job is he, he tries to figure out the, the world that's, the, the harm that's taking place in apps around the world. And he's, his job is to look out for kids. I don't know if he's saved or not, but I respect his job. Now he, he works for this website called Protect Young Eyes, and he was one of the first people to see this, this new thing that, t- that took place just a couple weeks ago. He highlighted several screenshots from the channel's debut advertising the 19 best sites to binge watch pornography and there was a whole other list and I did not include them on here okay his question was why do we care because yesterday I spoke to 248th graders at a public middle school in Michigan and I asked the class to raise their hand if they use Snapchat regularly a rough estimate had around 80 percent of the class raising their hand this is eighth graders. Okay, Snapchat. There's over 500 million downloads. I went on the website today. Over 500 million people in North America have access to Snapchat. Okay, and this is and it's rated T for teens, but anybody could anybody could have it because all you have to do is say that you were born on this certain day, and there's no way of proving who you are. So there's kids, there's little kids all the way up to adults who have access to this. Now this this um, this. I'm not trying to tell you that this, if your kids have this, that you need to break their phone, and you need to delete this. I'm just letting you know what's happening here, OK? Although it may not be a bad idea to get rid of it. Because, because of this, uh, this article that Chris McKenna posted, most parents had no idea this was happening. So Cosmo ran its first After Dark Edition on May 25th, that has confirmed there will not be a second thanks to the backlash and concern of parents around the world." So this only came up for a few minutes on a Friday. It was supposed to be an every Friday thing. But when parents heard about this, there was an outrage. And outrage broke out, and their voices were heard, and Snapchat took it off immediately. So it's not there anymore. But the, the, the idea is this, that it's so accessible, even in, in, a, in, a, in an app that's supposed to be harmless, it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be fun. Supposed to be just something to connect with people. It's all about the money. Now, if you, are I'm just curious in, in this room. And don't worry, my uh, mo, uh, my mom and I think Miss Lydia. Like some people, they have Snapchat because it's not really meant for it wasn't originally meant for, but anybody here have Snapchat, so you kind of understand what I'm talking about, you don't have to be ashamed if you have it, okay? I actually had it at one point as well, okay? So it's, it's not, it m- only, mainly it's used for, you know, just anything, just talking with friends and posting about this and that, but some people would say that it's, the fact that at least they made it accessible for only people over the age of 18 makes it the same as almost any website out there today. But I just want to share a small little thought with you here. Suppose that you gave your kids a, a magazine that had three pages on it. One page was a picture of all their close friends that they hang out with every day. The second page was maybe some pictures of some friends that they kind of they know but not really know. They're kind of a small acquaintance with. And then the third page was uh, pictures of people of explicit material that you don't want them to see. OK, would you ever give your kid that magazine? Of course you wouldn't. But with some of these social media websites, that's exactly what it is. They spend mo- most kids spend most of their time on page one, and maybe a little bit on page two. You know, oh, I think I know him. Hey, how's it going? And a lot of them will never turn to page three. But all they have to do is turn the page. It's so accessible. It's right there, and a lot of people don't. And I think most of teens probably have it. And I would assume none of them have ever turned to page three. But that's literally all you have to do. It's so accessible. It's so easy to access some of this stuff. So my job now is I'm just informing you, informing you, and it it still can be used for good. It can be used, but it's also so close to wickedness. We must be very, very careful. Now, I want to end with this, just for today. Victory is available. Okay? So we are going to, in the weeks to come, we are going to show a lot of the dark side. And you know a lot of the dark side. I'm going to bring it back up, show you just some things that we need to be aware of. But there, there is victory. Okay? If, if you, today, are struggling with something, if you, today, are looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at on your phones. And by the way, you shouldn't be looking at any of this stuff if it's something that you have to assign your age for 18 years or older you should not be on that if you are looking if you, you uh, if adults today are looking at if they're struggling with things like pornography with, with with even texting or talking on these chat rooms and stuff God's blessing cannot be on your home God will not bless you. God will not help you. Even if you think you're mature enough and it's just every once in a while you indulge yourself, God's hand of blessings won't be on your family. And you will be bringing that into your home, bringing that into this church. And you need to get your heart right first. And before you could even ever try to minister to your children. And we're going to talk more about this later. But understand, maybe if you're involved in something, or maybe you're going to find out, maybe you have a a teen who struggled with it or something, that there always is going to be victory. There's always a a, a light at the end of the tunnel. You're not stuck in anything. In your notes here, God has given his people everything they need for victory. God has given given his people everything they need for victory. According as his divine power hath given unto us all, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue there is no reason to despair though we are living in a wicked age god has given his people everything they need there is a way to victory there is a way to victory in the darkest times This is the beauty of having a gracious, loving, and merciful Savior. It doesn't matter what past you're from or what you're involved in today. God will, God always gives us a way out. If we come to him with a repentant heart, there is a God that can help us. Now this means that we don't have to look at the current situation in a negative light as many people are doing today. I have a few articles, I won't really read them, but basically there are articles of pastors and some of them youth pastors some of them just school teachers who are give or who are wanting to or are basically giving up in the fight over this social media and internet pornography thing that's that's breaking out and ju- just the, and just keeping con- not even just sin but just keeping control of kids and their ac- and the time they use on their phones and a lot of people are just giving up on it and they're just trying to find new ways to just to work around it but We don't have to work around it. There are biblical principles that we're going to be learning that we could start implementing in our life and implementing in the life of our families that will help us to get control of the internet, get control of phones, and help us to keep our eyes where they need to be on the Lord. I do have one here. It says, the following testimony from a pastor friend could be multiplied by the thousands. He says my teen grandchildren have a wonderful spirit of serving the Lord. They have regular family devotions, family outings, and responsibilities around the church. They are homeschooled and they have no cell phones or computers. Their hearts for spiritual matters is not a mystery. Their desire to read and communicate with adults is no secret. It's not rocket science. The children don't need the technology children don't need the technology until they have the maturity to handle it with Christian character. The children don't need technology until they have the maturity. So this is just one pastor's perspective on this, okay? I'm not saying you have to pull all your kids out of public school and you got to homeschool every one of them and take everything that, that beeps out of their life. okay? That's, that, you can't do that and that's not, that's not the way to handle this. But what he's trying what he is saying, is that there is a way to raise children for them to, to, to keep their eyes on Christ, to come through the social media age, this, the cell phone age, and still come with their eyes on Christ. And one of his perspectives here is don't give them power until they're ready to handle that power. Because in that phone is a lot of power that kids and adults, in a lot of cases, are not ready to handle. And good advice just to start this lesson out is... Be careful of the power, and realize the power that's in these phones. Realize the power that's at their fingertips. And maybe they're young and naive right now. They they don't even realize it. But once they get older, they're going to start realizing the power they have. They're going to start realizing the places they can go. And maybe they know better, and they do know better. But sometimes curiosity gets the best. Peer pressure kicks in as well. Taking away all electronics may not be the answer, but waiting until properly instructed and trained certainly sounds biblical. And we're going to look at this. Uh, In Proverbs 22, in verse 6, the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is this verse a promise? I believe it is. But perhaps you have kids that are already grown or halfway grown, Perhaps you've sensed your children starting to fall into sin in the world. Or maybe perhaps you're the one that's struggling. Is it too late for them? It certainly gets harder the later you start. That's your next blank there. It certainly gets harder the later you start. But to try is certainly better than not try. And trying passionately is even better than trying half-hearted. There's never, you're never too late. Starting earlier is always better. That's why the, the verse says train up a child in the way he should go. Start when they're young. But maybe you're, maybe you're just getting, you're just starting to realize the power your teens have and they're already grown now. What do you do? It's not too late to start. It, 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 will be, it may be harder. Victory in disciplining youth excuse me, discipling youth, those words look similar, victory in discipling youth is achieved by the church, the parents, and the youth working together. A weak church, a weak church can undermine the efforts of a strong home, and a weak home can undermine the efforts of a strong family. This is why it's important to have a strong family and a strong church working together. Youth working together to serve God. It's hard to do it by yourself. We need teamwork. Now in our next lesson, we're going to be looking at what it, what, uh, at what is required to train ourselves and our kids to keep our eyes and hearts on Christ through this mobile phone society. But the reason I'm very passionate about this is because a lot of what I'm telling you here is a personal story in my life. Because I grew up, and my dad, he was, uh, not his whole life, but when I was about 12 years old is when my dad surrendered to full-time Christian service. And a year later, I surrendered to full-time service. I wanted to be a pastor, a missionary, or something. And I knew without a doubt that's what God wanted me to do. And and I trained for it. We, we were missionaries in the Arctic for many years, and we came back down to California, where I'm from. And, I, and I've, I think I've explained this story before, so I'll just streamline it. But I did not have a cell phone then, but it didn't start with even a cell phone. It didn't even start with the Internet. It started one night when I was, I was uh, my uncle had, was living with us for a time. And he had, he had TV, he had a cable TV in his room, and the only other access to, to the cable TV was in the living room. Those was the only two places. And uh, I was staying up late with him in his room. We were watching a, a movie on TV. My dad let me do it. it was a, I don't remember what we were watching. But the movie had ended. My uncle had fallen asleep, and it was probably kind of late, maybe about 1230 at night. And we're on this certain channel, and all of a sudden this commercial showed up. And it was not a good commercial. And I looked at it, and I couldn't believe what I saw, and I found the remote, and I shut the TV off. Whew, man, that was bad. It didn't mean, Lord, I, and I went to my bed, and I just said, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to watch that. It just, it just popped up. It wasn't my fault. And I thought that was it. But that night, all I kept thinking about was those images I saw. It was just for a second. That's all it took, just a second, for that curiosity to spark. And I I grew up, we didn't really have internet. I didn't have these things. And my dad dad sat down with me and explained what certain sins were, especially sins in our world today, and to be wary of them and to look out. So I knew it was wrong. I wasn't ignorant of that. But that curiosity came inside. And I was not strong enough to fight it by myself. But I thought I was. I was 17. My dad was a pastor. I, I thought... Uh, You know, and I was training. I was a year away from going to Bible college. I thought, I am spiritually able to handle this. But I was not. And I found myself a couple weeks later going back trying to find that commercial. And I would find it. And I'd watch it a few seconds longer before shutting it off and feeling guilty. And then I'd find myself a couple days later going back and going back. And I don't like sharing you this story. But if it could start with a commercial... (laughs) you imagine what, what kids have today in their hands they have access to a lot more than a commercial commercial on TV was it was it was very mild compared to what's capable on a phone now that commercial it started to lead to much greater things until praise the Lord it only lasted for a short time before God came down on me like an anvil the guilt I could not bear any longer and I'm so glad it didn't last long I, before I went to my dad. And I came weeping. And luckily, my heart was still soft. Luckily, my heart was still, it hadn't hardened. Had I stuck with this stuff for a long time, it could have chewed me to pieces. But I'm so thankful that God saved me from this. And I was able to go to my dad with tears. And my dad cried with me. And my dad, <laughs> my dad grabbed that TV, and he chucked it outside the door. And my uncle was like, what? It, was, it wasn't it was even my uncle's TV, but we let him use it. And my dad got rid of cable. He got rid of satellite. He got rid of anything that would prohibit me. We uh, we only had dial-up, and then we didn't have a modem, so it was easier to control it. But I didn't have a phone that had internet, so we, we moved it down to one computer right in the middle of the living room, and that's all we had. And guess what? That helped. That's what I needed. I went to Bible college, and the Lord saved me. And not, not that... Not that it doesn't still try to come back, even today. But it's just amazing how it just takes one look. And I just, wanna be, I just want you to be aware that your kids have a lot of responsibility in their hands. So my question is, are they ready for it? And my answer to you is, they're not. <laughs> they're not ready for it. And there are ways that we can, we can help. We can prevent them. And there are apps that can filter, that can stop. And I'm going to show you what all those are uh, in our next lesson. I'm going to go through them, and I'm going to show you and help you to guard yourself and your family. Because we have to protect ourselves. We need accountability. And in an age where your phones are what they are, there is such a lack of accountability today. And it's destroying families, it's destroying parents, it's destroying people in the ministry, it's destroying a lot of people. So thank you for letting me come and and share this opening part. I'm just going to close in prayer and I'm going to turn over to Pastor White.